I'm going to look at that website. Greetings. We get to have a beautiful hour together of immersing in Torah, especially I'm looking forward today, uh, Parshas Vayetze, which begins with the story of Jacob's ladder. So let's say the blessing for studying Torah. Baruch Ata Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Kitshanu B'Mitzvotav V'Tzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. Blessed are you, source of life. Your presence fills the universe. You have given us mitzvot to make us holy and commanded us to engage in the words of Torah. So now Jacob is running away from home. And every year I come to this portion and I really never, there's a lot of great stories in this portion. But I personally never want to go past Jacob's ladder. It's like, my goodness, it's just once a year. I'm not going to miss Jacob's ladder. Um, it's, uh, so we're going to focus on the very first section of the portion. And we're going to focus on it. Well, first, I want to do a close reading with you all. Then I want to really welcome your comments. But I want you to know in advance that my focus today is that this is a dream, everyone. Jacob is having a dream of awakening. This is, a, this is the Torah, the Torah being, how are, you gonna, how are we going to communicate in words about our encounters with the infinite and the mystery? Well, dreams is one of the ways, hearing voices having mystical experiences. The Torah is filled with them. And I will repeat again that it's only our, our incredibly determined non-spiritual reading of the text that could prevent us from being moved <laughs> by, by this passage. Um, so I'm going to share the screen and we're just going to read it first. Very good. Can you all see it? Yeah, can you see the text, everybody? Okay, good. And Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. He came upon a, the, a place or the place, our translator says, a certain place, and he stopped there for the night, for the sun had set. Taking one of the stones of that place, he put it under his head and lay down in that place. So keyword. In this word, Bamakom, Hamakom, Bamakom. In the place, the place, the place. By a cholom, he had a dream. Behine Sulam. Sulam is a ladder or a stairway. Was set on the ground, Mutsav Arta. I think ladder's better because mutsav means um, stood, to, to says to erect it. So I think ladder might be better. Uh, stood on the ground, and its top reached to the sky. And behold, behold, the angels of God were going up and down on it. Behine, and behold, Adonai was standing beside him. And God said, I am Yud Vav the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. 
the ground on which you are lying, I will assign to you and to your offspring. Your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth, and you shall spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. And all the families of the earth shall bless themselves through you, shall be blessed through you and your descendants. And behold, Anochi imach, I am with you. Ushmalticha, bechola shaltelech, I'll watch over you wherever you go. Vashivoticha el haadamal hazot, bring you back to this adama, this land. Ki lo ezalcha, ad asher imasiti et asher dibartila. I will not leave you until I have done as I promised. End of dream. Vayikatz Yaakov, Mishnato. Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Achen, surely yod Vavhe is in this place. And I did not know it. Vayira Vayomar. And he was, he trembled. He was awestruck. And he said, Ma Nora Hamakom Azeh. How awesome is this place? Ein Zeh ki im Beit Elohim, Vizeh Sha'al Hashamayim. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gateway to heaven. So Jacob got up early the next morning. He took the stone that has been his pillow and he set it up as a monument and he anointed it with oil. And he named that place Beit El, meaning the house of God. Previously, that place he was had been called Luz. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing. So those are, um, let's see, we just read nine verses, 10 verses. Yeah, that was 10 verses. So today, oh, so any comments or reflections uh, at this moment? You can, yes, Ellen, you can raise your hand too. Go ahead. It's so great. And it also has three of my favorite lines in, you know, in all, in all Torah that are all sung in different melodies because they're so amazing. Right. The Yeshadonai Bamakom Hazeve Anochi Loyadati Jack Kessler's and it and it goes on and it builds and then of course the the Manorah which we know in various forms and the Anochi Imach which I don't remember the melody but it's just like I am with you. I am with you. Thank you. The three lines are uh, that Ellen is quoting is Ma Nora Hamakom Hazeh, when Jacob exclaims, How awesome is this place? Uh, that other line right before then, Yesh Adonai Bamakom Hazeh, Yadati, God indeed is in this place. And I was not aware. And then uh, um, God says, Anochi uh, imach means I am with you. I am with you. Hine anochi imach. And hine is even more powerful because hine is the same root as hineni, 
here I am with you. Hine anochi. Hineni is the contraction of hine anochi. Behold, I am with you. Anyone else want to share anything? Karen, Levine, and then Barbara and Fro. Um, I don't see Roberta Wall here today. No, Roberta's not here today. Okay. So um, Roberta had attended one of her teacher's classes on a Hasidic teaching on this portion from one of the, I don't know, some Hasidic master from Dinov maybe. And this was not where he went with that teaching, but I found this very interesting. And I didn't hear it in your reading of the first line. So read again, please, uh, verse 10. And Jacob left Beershava, Vayelech Harana, and set out went the Harana. So it was the word Harana. So the idea was that grammatically, it's not it's grammatically fine, but a more common usage would be le haran. But it was the use of the hey at the end of that word that was significant. And the teaching had a whole, it was all about gematria, and I and that's why Roberta told me about it. But what I loved was that that hey at the end was particularly pointing to the shechina, the, the presence of sort of the imminent divine feminine in the, in this moment of this moment of entering the dream. Ah, thank you. Barb, you wanted to share something? Yeah, so I'm sure this has been mentioned in years gone by, but um, for some reason it's particularly poignant this year that when we talk about the ladder, this metaphorical ladder, um, that um, we don't leap up a ladder. We take it one step at a time. I know when I go up a ladder, I have one hand on each side. Sometimes it might be slick from water or whatever, and, but we manage to kind of center ourselves and continue to go. So for me, it's, I don't know, for some reason it's more poignant this year. I'm not sure why, but um, <clears throat> that's it. Well said, well said. Anyone else have a reflection they want to talk for? Leah, is you raising your hand? Yeah, well, you know, I have a problem. And you just said metaphorical ladder because I have a problem that I take it too literally. Yes, you I do. I take the whole yes. Torah too literally. And everybody tells me, of course, I shouldn't. And so there's two things going. You believe everything in the Torah, and but you also know it's a story. And I have just a trouble reconciling yeah, how do we know it's in somebody's dream and he's going to write it down? You know, if somebody wrote it down and, and that's my problem. Thanks, it sounds Leah. nice. It's great. It sounds really, really lovely. Well, for the sake of this class, consider the Torah to be poetry and a story rather than something that's factual because it'll be much more fruitful for understanding uh, our own uh, relationship, because I want us to go today in the direction of imagining that the ladder is where we are and that we're waking up. Because I think the Torah is there to help us wake up, Leah. I don't think the Torah is there to teach us history. Uh, um, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Joan uh, Goodman and then Sylvia and then Gail. Yeah, well, um, I'm afraid to, to, that I bring kind of a dark um, interpretation into it. And I have for, for years now, I've been <coughs> kind of um, dwelling in, in, in the doubt that one has when one sees where the Jewish people have gone, especially, it, mine is a post-Holocaust interpretation, kind of, you know, where was God? And it was, you know, if he was he taking care of us? Karen, I actually sent the image to you because I thought you might be able to share it. I don't know if it can be sent. I don't know how to send it. I don't have sharing oh. ability. Okay. Um, I have the picture, but yeah. yeah. Just tell us about it, Joan. 
Well, it, it, it demonstrates, it, 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 it depicts Jacob reclining and the dream is a, 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 a dream of the ladder, but it's a ladder of skulls. And, wow. you know, I've shown you that image before. We've actually shown it um, to the congregation. And for me, I had to bring in the fact that it was, it's hard for me to uh, justify this, I will be with you after um, so many martyrdoms and deaths. So I, I, I juggle that with myself um, that I'm, I'm afraid it, 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 um, it poses a, a spiritual problem. Let's put it that way. Um, Thank and, you. Uh, cool. Thank you. Sylvia? Well, it's interesting because my experience was very different uh, so it's not just a thought, it's not really a thought, but as you were reading those words, and especially when you read the three sentences, I just was very touched. It brought tears to my eyes, but not sadness. I was, um, it was so touching. I will be with you or I am with you. So I felt very comforted about, about it. So it's interesting, Joan, since I'm a child of Holocaust survivors, I actually had a, a different experience to yours. Yeah, whatever that's worth, I don't know, but it was, I just found it beautiful. Mm, thank you, Sylvia. That goes to show you we're all gonna have our own reactions to a good story. <sighs> um, Gail? Well, I assume you've gone here many other times. And it looks like where you're going, but just to say that as we awaken, we come to realize that Hamakom is everywhere. We are always in the presence of that divine mystery. We just don't see it most of the time, no more than Jacob does. Um, he loses it <laughs> again and again and again. We're about to hear the story of his life, you know. Um, and that's mainly what I wanted to say. Thank you. Um, Thank you. I, I would, I, I want to add one other thing since two other people said Holocaust. So I am not a child of Holocaust survivors, but my father was one of the liberators of Buchenwald and he never recovered. And we lost a lot of family. He was himself a refugee. Um, and I've wrestled myself a lot with what does it mean to say God is with me and it doesn't mean protection from bad things as best. I mean, that's our, that you can't put them together. It's all, and in Jacob's story, he's not protected from bad things either. You know, it goes on that way. But there's something about being in the presence, knowing one is in the presence and part of this mystery that changes one's experience profoundly. So that's, that's my last comment. Well said. Well said. That's crucial. Um, that's absolutely crucial. And that's one of the things I wanted to share was that when you experience yourself being with life, that doesn't prevent terrible things from happening. Terrible by our estimation, and we should, we should make those judgments. But what does it do to change our relationship to life, to be in that presence? And actually where I'm heading today, Gail, is towards an experience. In, um, oh, sorry, David, you had your hand up, please. Thanks. Um, I, I, I was always, I've always been struck by the fact that um, the translation is, um, and he encountered the place. Mm -hmm. And I have a kind of interpretation of that, but is it true that that actually the word is, is sort of an indic, it, it almost sounds as if the reader is already familiar with this place. Is, is that true or, or in the Hebrew, is it, is it different? Um, it says the place. The but, place. Um, uh, and he names it Beit El, Bethel. Uh, which is not Jerusalem, but it was the holy shrine in the northern kingdom of Israel. So mm -hmm. historically speaking, 
we could say that the reader, the ancient listener, knew what the place was before the story began. But I, I, yeah, I, I, I have this kind of interpretation that, um, that it's a well-known story that 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 has been passed down, and so I'm just imagining, like. Uh, a, a child saying, Daddy, Daddy, tell us the story about when Jacob goes to the place and sees the angels. And so then Daddy says, okay, so Jacob, ya Jacob went to Beersheba and went to, toward Haran, and then he encountered the place. So it, it's as if like they already know the story, and that's how I kind of feel as I'm reading it. Oh, that's a really nice reading. Thank you. Um, the Jewish interpretive tradition just a second, Joan. The Jewish interpretive tradition determines that the place is one of two things. No, but this is an exclusive. It's not an argument about which is right. There are two primary interpretations of this in the Jewish tradition. One is that the place is Mount Moriah. Mount Moriah is the place where the temple is going to stand in Jerusalem. It's the place where um, uh, Abraham is said to have attempted the sacrifice of Isaac. And it's the place in, in ancient um, Jewish tradition that is the axis mundi, the place where heaven and earth touch, that becomes identified with Jerusalem some, you know, close to 3000 years ago. Um, so that's one interpretation of what the place is. Um, Another interpretation is that the place is, the, is one of the names of God. Not a place, but the place. And so where he encounters, because the word vayifka is a very powerful word. Vayifka means, it says coming upon, but vayifka means encountered, right? It's not he came to. Um, he encountered the place. So it, since God doesn't occupy a specific locale, the idea is that Jacob encountered the consciousness, the shift of consciousness where any place becomes the place. And so why the name of God is the place in our tradition, one of the countless names of God, is because that's when that's what a place becomes when you become aware that the divine presence dwells there. It becomes the place, not exclusive from any other the place that anyone else is experiencing. In other words, the place is every place where our awareness. He wakes up and he says, "Achen," which means, "Wow, Yesh Adonai b'makom." God is in this place, and I was not aware of it. So that's why um, the, I don't read this story geographically in any way at all. Um, I don't think it's, you know, it, I shouldn't say I don't think it's meant to be read geographically. It's meant to be read on multiple levels. And today, I'm most interested in the level of awareness. Uh, Joan? You're muted, Joan. I'm getting kind of a flash of inspiration here because I'd say that when it says I come to that place and we're thinking poetically the, the inner soul of every man comes to a place through adversity, you know, through, through the, the encounter with tremendous threat and Jacob is fleeing, this, this soul is fleeing from a threat supposedly, uh, the brother um, who's pursuing him. Um, and I'm hearing that there's praise here for coming to the awareness that in this place of, of fear and, 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 and um, insecurity, we go, we go through that struggle to our deepest sense of awe of what can happen to us in life, how it can threaten our lives. And we come through it. But 
it's our deepest strength when we are able to struggle with that, with whether it's doubt or whether it's literal, you know, pursuit. Um, and we come past it. We get, you know, we get to when, when we have, we can only get to that deep spiritual place by going through um, th this awesome, fearful experience. Uh, I, th that's where I'm hearing now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, um, Diane? About place. I was having a, a, a casual conversation with a group of friends the other night, and we were talking about things that we heard maybe a long, long time ago in our childhood that made such a, not that they were such significant things, but things that we remember so clearly because they made a deep impression. And one after another, we were saying, I remember exactly where I was standing. Of course. <laughs> oh my goodness, that's yeah. right. Where were you when, and you remember? Yeah, like somebody said something that was a new idea to me, you know, as a child. I remember where I was sitting, where I was standing when I heard that. That's fascinating. That's yeah. really, that's very thought provoking. Uh, uh, well, obviously, place means, because what you just said, pl place as a name for God means anytime you have, can be anywhere you have an insight. That's right, a heightened okay. awareness. Obviously, my generation is not the first humans to figure this out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, a Ruth Hirsch said, it connects for me so clear to our singing Woody Guthrie's holy ground. Uh, now, Woody Guthrie is just quoting Moses, uh, Exodus chapter uh, three, where uh, take off your shoes, the place you're standing is holy ground. And again, this is good. This is good for you, Leah. Uh, as well, um, Moses's vision, his encounter is with a burning bush that burns but is not consumed. Jacob's encounter is with a ladder going up to heaven with angels going up and down. How dense do we have to be to take these images literally? I mean, it's kind of shocking to think that we wouldn't understand that this is the language of story trying to communicate something ineffable, right? And so it's just as Moses encounters the burning bush and he says, I must turn aside and see this, this strange sight. And then the voice calls out to him, Moses, take off your shoes. Uh, here, he, Jacob encounters this place and his awareness is never gonna be the same again. Um, and then uh, Ellen Weaver said, um, the I doubles in Anochi. So when it says in verse 16, and Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, behold, or wow, God is in this place, the Anochi lo yadati. And I did not know, um, or I did not know it. The commentators, um, the mystical commentators uh, note the unusual wording. It could have just said, yesh Adonai b'makom hazeh velo yadati, and I didn't know. You don't need in Hebrew, you don't need the personal pronoun to understand the Hebrew. So anochi gets translated as, and I, I did not know. And that comes, that teaching comes from a Hasidic teacher named Shlomo Vradomsk. I have it right here. Um, if the presence of the Holy One indeed dwells here, and if I have invo invoked the holiness of this place, in this place, it must be because my I, my Anochi, I was not aware of. In other words, Shlomo Verdoms translates that it's what allowed me to have this experience was I, my ego got out of the way. Uh, my I, capital I, I did not know. So that's a very creative, but very beautiful reading of that verse that maybe the key is getting, getting your preoccupations and your worries. I mean, here's Jacob, he's running away from home. He's got nothing. He doesn't know what's gonna happen. He's terrified. And yet something, maybe it's the very rawness 
of him just being out in the middle of nowhere that allows him to forget himself for a little while. Who knows? Um, and Diane says, uh, uh, Rabbi Ellen says, this is the day that God has made. This is the place, any, all, always, everywhere. That's all I want us to, I just want us to hang out with this awareness so that when we close up our Zoom boxes, we're in the place. That's all I want from us. I don't think there's anything more that I want from this Torah portion than to reflect on that, on that and, and give us more and more imagery and more and more access and more and more to remembering that uh, we can be, we can, that there's a ladder running right up to heaven right here. Um, and Deborah says, I'm particularly interested in the moments when I actually experience this energy and I wanna to go to that. And Diane, Diane said, also the song we've been singing, I'll walk with you, I'll be with you, does not promise an easy outcome. Thanks everyone, these are wonderful comments. Uh, Joan, yes. Yeah, I, I have also um, dwelt um, in imagery and painting with the the way that it's phrased. Is it not phrased that the angels go up and down? So they're right. emanating from the earth up to heaven and back down again. And there's mm -hmm. something in there. I'm sure there's lots of commenting about lots mm -hmm. how how and I haven't had a chance to really delve into it and study it. I'm I'm just saying that. Um, yeah, I'd like to know what you what, what you've thought about that the spirituality starts on the ground and, and lifts upward. Isn't that beautiful? Mm -hmm. And returns. So there are traditional rabbinic commentaries about this that I don't want to cite right now. I think they'll take me off track. And rather what I want to share with you, is anybody else waiting? No, okay. Uh, is go to Deborah's comment of the moments when we actually experience this energy because one of the names of the tree of life in Kabbalah is Jacob's ladder, right? The tree of life is imagery of kind of a, the energy connection between all creation, right? From the ineffable to the material. Right? and how it's all connected and how energy is flowing all the time. But in this, it's, been, it's a uh, active system constantly. It's not static in any imaginable way. But then images get drawn that try to capture that motion. Let me share with you a Kabbalistic um, uh, picture of uh, Jacob's Ladder. There we go. Is that large enough? Can you see it? Maybe I can make it a little bigger. Hold on. Oh, that'll be better. Starts down here. Hold on. And so I hope everyone can see it. So the Kabbalistic tree of life gets pictured in many, many ways. And this is one of them. And it's called Jacob's Ladder because it's a place of ascent and angels going up and down that connect earth, which is the, 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 uh, the material, the bottom of the ladder, the ladder was, it was, was stood on the earth, Artsa, and then ascends, each one of these being a rung, through the ten spherot, each of which becomes less and less, as it were, effable, more and more, um, immaterial, spiritual, I'm not getting the right word, but you know what I mean. Uh, as you ascend through the four worlds, 
Asiya, the world of action on the macrocosm, the physical universe, nature, and our body on the microcosm. Yitzira, the world of paradise, angels, formation, dreams, the psyche. Bria, the world of creation, seven heavens, archangels, spirit, all the way up to the world of Atzilut, emanation, pure isness. In the microcosm, we go from our own, uh, on the level of humanity, we climb from our corporeal existence, become aware of our emotional flowing, our intellectual and cognitive awareness, all the way up to the place where it's all one. And then we descend again. We go up and down. The angels ascend and descend. So I'm going to actually take that off. Um, and uh, let's see. Diane says, when we were fundraising to build our building, Someone told me he could worship God any place. My response, yes, but we do like indoor plumbing in the winter. Thank you, Diane. We do like indoor plumbing. Oh, okay, what are the teachings around the meaning of angels descending and ascending? So two levels. On the level of the um, sort of... Um, Oh, the Jacob's journey, the rabbis teach that the angels ascending were the angels that hang out in the land of Israel. And the angels descending were the angels that were going to accompany him on his journey. <laughs> and so that's that, that's, that, that's that beautiful telling. But on the Kabbalistic and mystical understanding of Judaism, it's our job down here, our task, our spiritual calling, it, we're needed to um, uh, awaken the upper waters, the, hot, the divine energy. If we, are, if we are obtuse, if we are closed, if we are self-centered and preoccupied, if we don't think any of that is real, any of that, then as it were, the angels can't descend into our realm, right? In the meantime, the upper energy is always summoning us. But again, it is an energy exchange. And our job is to train our awareness so that we can allow that energy to both ascend and descend constantly because the highest energy, the ineffable energy, if we live there all the time, we don't exist, right? The whole tree, the whole ladder is the continuum of existence. And we spend our time on the earth. Uh, but if we only spend our time on the earth and don't know that we have a job. So here's the other Kabbalistic understanding. We are Jacob's ladder, right? I am Jacob's ladder. On that, on that graphic I showed you in the microcosm, we have to connect all levels of our experience so that they are interacting at all times. Think of Tai Chi in that way. We are taking, our physical experience is not separate from our emotional experience, from our cognitive and uh, ideational experience, from our dreams, from our experience of wordless awe. The way I've said it for years, you'll forgive me because I've said it many times, is that I wanna be going on all pistons, right? I'm a four a cylinder engine. That's how I think of it. And you know, there's the physical, the emotional, the cognitive, and the spiritual. 
if they're all pumping, then the energy, you'll forgive me, the gasoline, which is, uh, we'll need a new metaphor soon. My four cylinder engine is going the way of the dinosaur, I hope. Well, the dinosaur fueled my engine and now they'll all go. But anyway, if the fuel has to combust so that it can keep the whole thing going, the whole system, then I need to have it all working for me. Um, Rob says I was born with eight cylinders. I don't know if I'm that kind of car, Rob, but uh, I definitely am gonna go a few more hundred thousand miles. Um, Gail. Um, I don't know. I have a lot of trouble of placing the ego into this system, but I want to pick up on where you're talking about bringing all of ourselves in, which is Kabbalistic, um, because I think, and I don't know if I'm getting this from Aviva Zornberg or not, it's been too long since I read her, but it's, it's but in the Parsha before this, when Jacob, Jacob is described as a man who lives in, t in the tent, mm -hmm. and he's somebody who, who we know later plans a lot, he thinks a lot, mm -hmm. he spends a lot of time in his head, Mm -hmm. And he tells a lot of stories about himself more than anybody else in Torah. He thinks he's in his head mm -hmm. and he's even described as sort of simple in that way. He doesn't know much about, he isn't out there. Okay. And Esau is totally physical and lives totally in the moment, which is why he can give up his birthright for the lentil stew. And the line when, when Jacob pretends to be Esau, and his father says, who are you? And he says, I am Esau. Can be understood that he's actually metaphorically taking on Esau's physical presence and melding it with his up here stuff. And in that state is how he arrives at Hamakom in that state where he's melded the physical and the rest of him together. And so he can be present. Um, to the, I've just come off a one week retreat, so I'm very aware of this need to put it all together. But when you were saying before, a lot of the time we have these experiences, these extraordinary experiences are out in the open. And when we've been hiking or active or, or sun is dancing, I mean, but that's, so it's when we bring everything in and the other time that Jacob has this kind of experience is at the very end when he's been wrestling. Again, a metaphor, but it sounds very physical. Okay. Beautiful. So I just think it's, I think it's really part of, I think it's a continuing thread here that the whole Kabbalistic is picking up on, um, that you have to go up and down and bring up the earth, the physical. Right. It's the earth, it's the latter. If the earth isn't there, the ladder doesn't have anywhere to stand, right? I mean, the earth is just as essential to this image as the top, as the heavens. Right. And um, uh, Gail, thank you for that because, you know, we've, we've approached this at different times, but Jacob and Esau are twins, but exactly. they're, op they're opposite twins. And we've talked mm -hmm. about this a lot over the years. Uh, Esau, hairy, earthy, uh, you know, um, uh, lives in his in his uh, hunger and his drive, and and Jacob seemingly uh, Tom, meaning he's smooth skinned. There's something about him that hasn't merged his physical experience with his uh, with his um, uh, cognitive experience. So absolutely, Gail, thank you. That's beautiful. So now that he's run after saying I am Esau to his father, maybe he has begun to integrate. And again, these are not, I'm not taking them as literal twins. The, 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 the divided self has begun to integrate in a way that allows this experience to happen. Karen? Um, one of the images here that I always, it's always hard for me to reconcile. And I was thinking of bringing it up, but now from what Gail said, I think maybe I have a little more insight is this whole idea of Jacob 
putting a rock under his head as a pillow. Now, that is like the opposite of what, you know, what is a pillow for? It's to be soft and downy and to sink into it. And so I've always wondered about that. Like, that doesn't sound comfortable at all. But now I'm thinking, well, maybe if the dreaming is happening in Jacob's head, which is resting on this rock, <laughs> there's something about the the physicality of that stone that's essential for the grounding of what that ladder then is supported by. Well then, said. Yes, it is interesting. He took a rock for a pillow. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Leah? Well, I often think that there's angels watching over me because, you know, I can... I can look for something and can't find it and suddenly and suddenly I'm looking for something else but the thing I was looking for in the first place you know um shows up yep. and there's a zillion different experiences like that and I say thank you angels <laughs> now the angels aren't always with me because they just prevented me from getting my real computer and I'm on an iPad now so the angels aren't always but but you have to be aware that's the thing you, you gotta be aware. And I like he, he that was God was with me, but I didn't know it. You have to just be open. Right. Well said. Well said. I'll read another couple of comments. Thank you, Leah. Barbara said the imagery or experience of the angel energy angels going up to heaven and down to people on earth reminds me of the image of the Star of David, one triangle drawing from heaven and bringing it down to earth the triangle that points down, and the energy going upward toward transcendence, the triangle pointing upward. Beautiful metaphor, thank you. And Blaise said, community also, if we are not here at all, there's no one, nothing to wake up. By here, I mean not only here physically, but here in presence in our awareness as well. <sighs> excellent, excellent. My friend and teacher, Chef of Gold, says, um, oh, I think we've expressed it. I'll recommend her chapter um, on Vayete. I'm going to share this in her wonderful book, Torah Journeys. And the tagline is the best ever. The Torah is the map. You are the territory. I'll just say it again. The Torah is the map. You are the territory. As Blaze said, we need to be grounded and spiritually aware at the same time. Tricky, huh? Yeah. And it, it involved because it's not, there's no stasis, right? The angels are going up and down, up and down. And somehow our task as humans is to remain aware of that, whether wherever we, whatever rung we happen to be on at any time, that we're not on some isolated platform, but rather we're always ascending and descending in states levels of awareness, and even when we're in the most even when we're in the most debased, or corporeal or self pitying rung. If we can remember, I'll be climbing up again. The energy is going to keep moving. Then we can live with divine, with awareness of the divine. Betty? You know, the only tactile object in all of this reading is the stone. Hmm. Everything else is you know, thought of or illusionary, spiritual, mythological, yeah. mythic. And, uh, and so what does Jacob do when he wakes up? He takes the stone and anoints it and makes it a pillar. So it becomes a real thing. Beautiful. And this is what we do. He names the place. He creates a monument. We humans, this is what we do to remember. But you're right. That, I never thought about that, Betty. It is. It's like the only thing that we hear about 
in the whole dream sequence is this stone. He puts it under his head, then he erects it, he anoints it. So we should say that's, um, that's what we humans do. We create monuments and markers, altars. We create sacred schedules, holidays, and Shabbos. We have times to pray. We create monuments here in the physical world of time and space in order to remember. That would be the purpose of spiritual artifacts, of buildings where we gather. Of, that's right. It's to help us remember. So beautiful. Thank you, Betty. Deborah said, I've been singing Holly Near's song lately to help connect me to the energy we are talking about. I am open, I am willing to be hopeless would seem so strange. It dishonors those who come before us. So lift me up to the light of change. I am open and I am willing to be hopeless would seem so strange. It dishonors those who come before us. So lift me up to the light of change. And Barb says, location, location, location. Not just Bamakom, but as he said, where we are rungwise on our ladder. And that image of what rung are you on is a classic metaphor of Kabbalistic and Hasidic especially teaching. Because the Hebrew word for a step is a madrega, madrega. And we are always, no matter what madrega you are on, there's always one below you and there's always one the next one you can climb to. And so it, uh, the spiritual journey is compared frequently to climbing a ladder or a staircase. Stairway to heaven, I think it's 50 year anniversary uh, right now. Karen says, it's curious that Jacob was traveling with oil. I wonder what else was in his backpack. Yeah. I'm sure they always traveled with a little oil back then. Who wouldn't do that? Cliff bars? I don't know. <laughs> and we leave a stone when we visit a grave, says Gail. And a gravestone is called a matseva, uh, which is the same word that's used for this stone. It's a marker a monument. And sometimes we have to go down to learn and be able to ascend again. Again, thank you, Ellen. That is, Rabbi Ellen, that is a um, core principle of Jewish spiritual teaching is that it's called Yerida Litzrach Aliyah, descent for the purpose of ascent. And we know this is true. We know if we hadn't been through that rough time, we wouldn't understand what we understand now. And that's just plain true. Yeah. Thank you. Joan, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, this is maybe slightly just a, a humorous. I'm glad we're sort of going in the direction of a slightly humorous note here because I want you to know that it, Jacob's stone is being called a pillar every day because there's a fabled stone sitting in the, in, in the castle in Edinburgh under glass, a big glass enclosure that they, they claim that the stone traveled to England and it's the coronation stone now that's used for you know the divine right of kings in Great Britain. And uh, when you talk to the guards who are standing out there, they're in their Scottish accent and they're saying, yeah, are you going in to see Jacob's pillar? They call it Jacob's pillar. That's Jacob's pillar. Um, and, I, you know, I just had to remark on that. It's very funny, but it's really revered in England. And it is hewn, rough-hewn rough, uh, rough kind of um, size of a double cement block. It's, it's got squares. It's, it, it's, it's been, it's been um, carved, I think, so that it's not what you'd consider, you know, like a rough stone. It's, it, it literally could be erected in a, in, in a rectangular way and look like a pillar. Thank you. Uh, I want to say that part, uh, you know, if you, modern studies of, mytho of global mythology um, 
seem to make a very strong case that our psyche is organized, that the human psyche collectively and individually is organized around creating sacred places. Now, I'm not gonna to try to prove whether some places are really sacred energy nodes or whatever. I'm, that's not where I'm going right now. Jacob's pillar that he sets up that he pat his head on at night, which just begs for more interpretation. Um, uh, he calls that place Beit El, the house of God. And that pillar is the place that marks, remember, the connection between heaven and earth. So naturally, those who study the Bible would carry that imagery with them and create a pillar, say, in, you know, in, in, uh, in the British Isles uh, that carries that same connotation of the place where heaven and earth join, because certainly coronation, the, the king and queen are the divine emissaries on earth. And so all of that, you know, travels all over the world. Before we conclude, I want us to take a moment to uh, just sit quietly. And see the ladder. And have your experience. This is the place. I meant to get to this much sooner so we could share all of our experiences of this, but uh, we had such a great conversation that I didn't get to it till now. I think I'll continue. I think this Shabbos, on uh, Shabbos morning, I think we'll take time to spend a lot of time standing at the standing and climbing up and down the ladder together. So whatever day this is, sure, I'll sing the song. Whatever day this is, whatever kind of day you're having, whatever the outside weather, it actually doesn't really matter. Not if, you're, not if we wake up and are trembling and said, oh my God, God's here and I, was, I forgot for a little while. I never want to skip over this part of the Parsha. So the words are, Ma Nora Hamakom Hazeh. How awesome is this place? Now, there's three parts which we can't sing. Uh, Rabbi Ellen just put it in the chat. There's three parts. We can't sing them together yet on Zoom. That technology is coming, I'm sure but I'll sing each part and you can choose if you want to sing along or keep one part going. So Hamakom Hazeh, this is by Rabbi Shefa. Hamakom Hazeh means this place. Hamakom Hazeh. Hamakom Hazeh. Hamakom Hazeh. Hamakom Hazeh. Manora Amakom Manora Amakom Manora Amakom Manora 
המקום הזה. מנורה, המקום הזה. מנורה, המקום הזה. מנורה, המקום הזה. מנורה, המקום הזה. המקום הזה, המקום הזה, המקום הזה. May our Kehilak Doshar Holy Community continue to be a place that reminds us and helps us and supports us to keep all pistons going, including this awareness, because the world is too much with us, everybody. But that's not the whole world. There's a much bigger cosmos that's also with us at the same time. 